Hi, welcome. I'm Joe Posnanski, and I'm very excited today uh, for this podcast. I've got my dear friend and, and one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game, uh, Jackie Styles, with us. We're going to talk a little bit about Jackie's uh, life, Jackie's career, what she's doing now. But there's also, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a new documentary that's coming out uh, in, in I guess, a week, a couple of weeks, maybe, uh, called, uh, what, is, what is it called, Jackie? The Jackie Styles yeah. Story, right? Yeah, the Jackie Styles Story, Anything is Possible, so. Very exciting. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But first of all, uh, great to see you. You know, we've, we've been, I've known you since a very long time. Known you since you were in college, yeah. of course, when you were playing there. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was in Kansas City and you're from Claflin. So I've been to Claflin and seen everything. It's been, uh, it's amazing how many years go by, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I know. Time flies. Yes, uh, Joe, we definitely go way back. And I, I look back on many of the interviews that we, we've done together and have always thoroughly enjoyed our time that we've spent together. So thank you. And thank you for having me on your podcast as well. Of course, of course. No, this is, this is going to be great. So, you know what, why don't we start with the documentary? Cause that'll allow us to sort of go back a little bit and talk about your career and your life and, and, and how things have, have gone for you. Uh, the documentary is called anything is possible, which I know is been, have been three words that have mattered a lot to you through the years. I've heard you say that uh, before. Um, but tell us a little bit about, first of all, what this is and, and how this, this documentary came about. And I, and I should say, leading up, I'm, I'm actually in it. I'm actually in the documentary. They interviewed me for it a little bit as well. But tell us a little bit about, first of all, what this is and how it came about. Well, so I got contacted by Brent Huff about three years ago, and he introduced himself as a movie producer. And he said that, you know, he wanted to do my story. And I'm like, for real? And is this guy for real? You know? And so then he had sent me some stuff that he had done. Like he has done some ESPN 30 for thirties. And um, so I was like, okay. And I agreed to do it. And I remember our first interview was when I was transitioning, I just got done at Missouri state as a coach. And then I was trying to sell two homes and move to Oklahoma and start my new job. And that was when we did our first interview. And I can remember it was just the most chaotic day. And I was just blown away after our first interview, just how um, informed he was on my career and everything and how professional and you could just tell he was going to do an amazing job. And then it took about three years um, to actually finish it because COVID slowed things up, you know, just trying to get the interviews. But um, I have not seen it. I know it's an hour and a half long. I will get to see it when everybody else does. And we're a week out. So it's March 1st. And they picked that date because that was the date I broke the record um, in, in Springfield. So, so that's kind of the meaning behind March 1st. But um, it, it's been quite an experience. I cannot believe there's going to be a movie about my life, but um, it, it, it has been fun reliving those memories. It's incredible. It's really incredible. So we should say the record that you're talking about, of course, is the NCAA scoring record, uh, which you broke March 1st, uh, what year was that? Do you remember? 2001. Yeah. 2001. So, yeah. and then, and that was the NCAA scoring record for 16 years, right? That was, that was, you had, you had broken the record. And of course you, you were even the first to say it was the NCAA record. So it did not include uh pre NCAA with people, right. you know, there were obviously some incredible uh, women players uh, before the NCAA, but 
you had that record and and you know i remember leading up to that record there was so much hype around you there was so much going on you i think would certainly categorize yourself as a small town person uh very modest you've you've never wanted to be in the spotlight you've never wanted uh all of this attention that was around you every interview i've ever done with you especially in those days you always wanted to talk about your teammates and never wanted to talk about yourself. What was that experience like leading up to you breaking that record? Because it was, I mean, it was pretty intense. Oh, so intense. It, it was a chaotic. And uh, I remember my roommate, uh, Carly Deer, now Stubblefield. Um, I told her we had a rule. We couldn't turn the TV on. We, we literally I couldn't have the radio on, couldn't get the newspaper because just we're just trying to escape it and focus on what we were trying to accomplish, you know, as our senior year and our ultimate dream was to play in a final four and, you know, win a conference title and a conference championship. And it was so hard to escape all the hype. I remember it was like the day before I was projected to break the record, we went to a Burger King and we just got swarmed and it, it was, it was so chaotic. And, and then, you know, I remember, you know, going in for the game and actually the game before I broke it at Wichita State, if I would have scored like almost 50 points, I could have broken the record then. And they actually hired a professional bodyguard for me. And because I couldn't really warm up because so many people were wanting to come down and take pictures and get autographs. And I'm like, talking about now feels like a separate person, but it, it was just pretty crazy. And then I'll never forget the day of that game. They had tape on the floor for all the different media outlets to try to get them all in on the court um and i really couldn't escape it the during the game because you could hear the crowd counting um but honestly it was just a huge relief when um i was able to break the record and i wanted to do it at that game because i knew the next game was senior night and i didn't want to take away from the incredible group of seniors that i got to play with incredible incredible but was it i mean Looking back has got to be so gratifying, right? Because I mean, you know, now all these years later, you're you're uh, you know, you've you've had so many more experiences and so much more in your life. But at that time, when you're going through that and it's so intense, it, it, was it fun? It probably was not fun. Well, you know, I mean, it was fun in a way, as far as like, wow, like just the way Springfield supported us and went for women's basketball, it was just a tremendous environment. And that kind of pushed you and drove you um, to be better because you wanted to make them proud. I mean, when people come out and support you like that, I mean, it's just so motivating. And so it was just an incredible fun experience. And what helped is, I mean, I was, we were so close, our whole team. Um, and, you know, we had incredible coaches. So we just really didn't want our careers as Lady Bears to end. We wanted to extend it as long as, as we could. And I know as seniors, you either kind of fold under the pressure or you just say, you know what, I'm going to go for it, let it all hang out. And I just don't want to have any regrets. And really, that's kind of what we did. And um, yes, uh, it was um, stressful, definitely at times. I'm not going to say it, it wasn't, but I will never forget that moment when we beat Washington and I'm like, oh my gosh, we really did this. We are advancing to the final four. I'm getting chills, like talking about just, I can still feel 
that moment. And there is nothing better than when you accomplish a dream. But more importantly, it was looked at as an impossible dream. And I, I'm pretty sure this is correct, but I don't think a mid-major has made it to the final four since on the women's side. So pretty remarkable what we were able to accomplish. So. Oh, that whole year was so incredible. I mean, obviously that was a that was a great team, but you break the record, obviously. People look at that as an individual thing, even though, of course, you know, it was not. It was it was your, your entire team and the way you played. But you break the record. Then you go into the tournament. And by the time you're in the tournament, you're an All-American. You are. Everybody knows you've broken the record. There's a lot about you. And then for you and that group of players to go in and pull upset after upset, the Duke game was was ridiculous. The Rutgers game on and on for you guys to go and then go to the final four. What a, what a ride. I know it was absolutely like a fairy tale, really um, how it all happened for us. And um, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll never, I can't believe I said this, but looking back, I remember we were so disappointed when we got seated in the NCAA tournament because we thought we would get to host. And not only did we not get to host at Hammond student center in Springfield, we had to get sent, you know, clear across the country to, play Rutgers in New Jersey and you know our fans would travel but my gosh they had to go clear across the country and then here we're playing a final four team from the year before they had not lost a home game and had everybody coming back but I remember addressing the crowd because we had this watch party and I said that we this will not be the last time that we play in the state of Missouri because the final four was in St. Louis but it took that kind of belief and focus that we could do it. We could accomplish the, you know, the impossible dream and, and, you know, we were able to do it. And and the one thing I'm kicking myself about is why didn't I say I wanted to win a national championship? Why was it just a final four, but you know, you always want more as a competitor, but no, it was was such a fun ride and, and something I'll never forget. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. I was there in, in, at the Rutgers game in New Jersey and being perfectly honest as brutally honest as i can be you know that was there were there was a lot going on you know the men's uh, tournaments going on at the same time and i went as i recall because we didn't think you guys were going to win and yeah. we thought this we're, we're going to go see jackie's last game i mean that was sort of you know we had to be realistic i mean Rutgers yeah. was great it was there in their home place and you that game was crazy because that rutgers team was really really good Really good. Yes. And extremely athletic. And I remember it was a seesaw battle back and forth. And I remember being on the free throw line several times towards the end of the game. And usually I'm not nervous once the game starts, but man, we just wanted it so bad. We'd never been to a sweet 16 and, um, you know, fortunately we were able to pull it out and really honestly, looking back, that was a blessing because by beating Rutgers on their home court, that gave us tremendous confidence that, you know what, if we can beat them, we can beat anybody for sure. And, and then of course we needed that because here we're going in to play number one seated Duke. But, and I also remember that senior year um, for whatever reason, I, I always looked up to pistol Pete and I remember reading his book and he kind of chronicalized like, what he felt like, you know, breaking the record his last year, all these things. It, it was just eerie, like picking that book up, reading that, and then experiencing what we did, um, you know, our senior season, just something like I said, I'll never forget. Just incredible. So when, so when they come to you with the documentary idea, um, people have, have plenty of times, people have come to you, hey, I want to tell your story, you know, I'd love to go back and do this and that. 
did this one feel i mean this is a movie so it's so it's different along those lines but did it feel like oh you know what enough time has passed that i really feel good about this my story again you know telling my story because because you know as we'll get into here in a, a few minutes your story is so you know you you're you're uh, a young girl in 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 little claflin taking a thousand shots a day, developing yourself as a player. Then you go and you have these huge, incredible moments at, at, at uh, Southwest Missouri State at the time. Um, and you go to the Final Four. It's a, really a fairy tale ending, even though you guys didn't, didn't win that Final Four game. It's still unbelievable. You go and you're a, a rookie of the year in the WNBA. And then a lot of pain, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of pain, your dream, you know, really begins to, to fade. You have to find a new way. So I know, you know, I, I, I talked to you many times during that stretch of time in your life. Do you feel like now is like, have you sort of feel like, Hey, I'm through that. And this is, you know, I feel good about going back and looking back at everything. Oh yeah. You know, like I definitely am now at a, at such a healthy place. And, you know, back then you know, I realized looking back, like my identity was wrapped up in what I did as a basketball player. I had no idea who I was outside of that. And, you know, I, you know, I realized like, it's not about what I did. It's who I am as a person, but that, that took a lot of years to, you know, kind of um, just reshape, you know, myself and who I am without that. I mean, it, it was a struggle. Um, but now, you know, the reason for doing this movie is, you know, I, I feel like our greatest legacy is every human life we can impact for the better. So if my story just impacts one person, if it maybe inspires them to do more and be more, then it was well worth, you know, my time and, and put my story out there like this. And, um, you know, I just want to also credit so many people that had a hand in helping me do that because we can't accomplish anything great alone. And I had just a team of people. So for them to be able to get credit, because a lot of times a lot of these people are in the background and they didn't, you know, get recognized. So for them to also get recognized and sharing this with me, um, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's very, it's very exciting. I've not seen it either, but I've seen the the uh, trailer, right? And uh, oh, you were so young. You remember? You remember how young that was? How it feels oh. like you see yourself on the court. You yeah. got the, the ponytail and you're and you're running around and you're just you know it's wow it doesn't feel like that long ago I know it's like how fast time flies but then it, that it also feels like a separate person I'm like really like you know did that was that me did that all happen you know because it has been you know so many years since but um but like I said it's been so much fun reliving the memories and I I cried when I saw the trailer I couldn't believe it it you know had me that emotional after I watched it so who knows what I'm in for um, on March 1st? Talk about nerve-wracking. I'm not sure what's more nerve-wracking. The, the day of, I was projected to break the record when they're printing cards that had the date on it before I had even broken the record or watching a movie about yourself for the first time in public and hoping there's other people to watch it with you. I hope the theater's not empty, but that's also very nerve wracking. So, but what a, what a great place to premiere it. Um, Springfield, Missouri, where they've not only supported me through my basketball career, but obviously I've had trials since and they've always come and rallied behind me. And I'm just so grateful for everything this community has given to me. Did you ever consider watching the movie first before going in, or do you want to watch it? Because it will be in Springfield, it will be a full house. It's going to be this this great scene, 
Uh, is that did you want to sort of get swept away with watching it at the same time as everybody else? Well, so Brent wanted to surprise me. It, it, it was oh, he right. he preferred that I not watch it. So, but I have such great trust and faith in him. And you know, after just even seeing the trailer, I was I was blown away. It was better than I could have ever imagined. And then um, I can't make this public yet, but the first film festival he just submitted it to it was kind of a god thing. Like, you know this. Uh, guy was on his email he is the one in charge the critic in charge of you know deciding what films will be allowed into this film festival one of the most prestigious ones he just has me on the computer the email comes through and he well for whatever reason just watches the movie right then and there even though he had a thousand movies ahead of it that wow. he has to watch before july um and he fell in love with it and basically said that i feel like this film could have global reach and so like when i heard that kind of feedback i was like honestly so grateful because brent has put so much time and effort into this film and i i just hope he gets recognized for all of his tremendous work that's awesome that's awesome and it really is i mean that's knowing you that's so true about you you i mean you have always wanted your story to inspire people i mean that's always been a big part and, and that's part of what you do also as a coach and as a as a, as a trainer and some of the other things you've done. I mean, that's, that's always been, I guess probably that's part of finding yourself was finding how important that was to you to, to sort of inspire uh, things in other people. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, I look back and my first half of my career was so selfishly focused. Like I got up every single day and all I thought about was how can I be the best basketball player I can become? And, you know, sacrificed a lot and was just, so um, singularly focused, but, you know, I feel like, honestly, you, you have to almost be out of balance to accomplish something really great. Now that obviously comes some, with some consequences, you know, after that thing is over, but, but now I look at my second half of my career is, you know, that gave me a platform to help more people. And, and that's what I'm about because so many people sacrificed for me to live out my basketball dreams. Now it's time for me to serve others. And it's now more, instead of, uh, a focus on success. It's more about significance. How can I use my gifts and talents um, with the platform I have, you know, to, to benefit and to help the most people I can. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a couple. I'm not going to embarrass you too much, but a couple of Jackie Styles legends. All right. Can we, oh, we, we yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh -oh. Here, Here we, we go. go. Here we go. All right. So you grow up in, in Claflin, uh, Kansas, and uh, you are uh, you're you've got a basketball court in your backyard. Eventually, not not uh, not when you were younger, but right. eventually. But first, there's the thousand shots a day, which is which is famous. You would literally shoot what you wouldn't shoot a thousand. That's the other thing. It's like the the, the story is going to get. You didn't shoot a thousand shots. You made a thousand shots. Right, every single day. That is correct. I made a thousand shots every day. So okay. I started that my sophomore year in high school. Tell us why. Tell us why you started that your sophomore year in high school. So um, third game of the season, I go up and I, I uh, go up for a layup. I break my right wrist and I think my world's coming to an end. I have to sit out four weeks with a cast past my elbow so I can't straighten my arm. In those four weeks, I taught myself how to play left-handed because I convinced the doctor, uh, I'm, I'm a saleswoman, <laughs> I'm good at that. And I said, he's like, okay, don't come blaming me if, um, you know, you re-break this thing. But he let me play the second four weeks with a soft cast. So I couldn't hurt anyone else. Still couldn't straighten my arm. 
So I play those four weeks left-handed, get the cast off right before playoffs. And my whole goal in high school is I wanted to win a state championship more than anything. So here we are, semi-state tournament. We win this game. We play for the state championship. I had the worst performance in my career. It was like four out of 21 shots. And, you know, that's a lot of years ago. I won't tell you how many, but I still remember exactly what I was from the field. So um, we only lost by a few points, and I just felt like I let my team down. I was embarrassed. And it would have been so easy for me at that moment to say, you know what, I'm not going to devote my time to basketball. I'm just, it's not worth it. But I said, no, I want to be even better than before that injury. And that's when I vowed to make a thousand shots every, every day. And, you know, if it wasn't for that injury or that adversity, you know, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. And, you know, all of us face adversities and it's just trying to turn that, that, that tough time, that struggle into a positive, because what other choice do you really have? Yeah. Well, you didn't mention that while you were playing left-handed, you averaged, what did you average during a game? During uh, that? Like 20-some points, I think, I believe. <laughs> yes, left-handed. So that's, that's not, that's not yeah. nothing. Um, but, you, but making 1,000 shots a day, uh, we've gone over this uh, like pretty specifically. It takes five hours? How many hours does it take? So it took four hours, and I used a toss-back and – Kids these days don't even know what a tossback is because they have the gun, you know, that has the big net and shoots balls at you. If I had that thing, I would have upped my number, you know, considerably. <laughs> but um, I had that little square tossback that if you don't make it, it's ricocheting off. And if you do make it, it's slowly bouncing, you know, back to you. And then I uh, would also sometimes bribe like one of my siblings um, to rebound for me. And that would cut the time almost in half, but yeah, I was looking at it always a solid four hours in a gym doing that with the toss back. And, and yes, I, everybody always asks. And one of the number one questions I get, what did you count one to a thousand? And no, I had like seven spots and a certain routine at each spot, but like basically I made 700 jumpers and then 300, uh, free throws. Free so. throws. Yeah. So that, but, and then, but you would, you would do it in a circuit. So you would do right. it, you know, this, the 25 here, 25 here, or whatever it was, you know, yeah, yeah. that you had to yeah. make. And were and there were days where you probably were relatively hot and made basically everything that you threw up. And there were probably days that were frustrating, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I can remember many times kicking the basketball, throwing the ball. And I, and I would say to myself, what are you doing? This is supposed to be fun. You know, I would just go nuts. But I, that's why I always tell players to pick a number to make instead of shoot, because you know, it makes you a better shooter because eventually you don't, you know, you want to, you have to get out of the gym at some point. So you will focus and make shots and you want to make sure you're practicing the right way and, and, you know, not training bad habits. So I always, you know, encourage them to make shots and not just shoot a number of shots. Okay. So the second uh, Jackie Styles legend I want to talk about, it's not even a basketball legend. It's your track. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and it was, I, I'm, I'm, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Was it your junior year that you won all of the, so, cause I know your senior, you actually lost a race. Is that right? Yeah. So oh. I lost, uh, uh, actually, what was it? I lost, um, I, yeah, I did lost the 400 my senior year. I got second in the 400, but, but yeah, so my junior year, um, I always played, um, AU basketball in the spring. So, uh, you know, that was congruent with our track season. And I remember like, triple jumping I, I had so many ankle sprains and stuff I kind of got beat up in AU that I had to end up moving from the triple jump to the 400 so 
I did the mile, the half mile, the two mile and the quarter, and no one had done those four events. Of course not. <laughs> it was crazy enough to do that. Like, gosh. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, what the hard thing is, is qualifying to the state meet. Cause I had to run all four of those events within an hour and a half. And, you know, I would be running the, you know, one event and they'd be calling me to check in, you know, for the other event. And I was on the, on the track, you know? And so, but once I got to state, cause it's all classes, I had more time to rest in between, but to qualify, to get to state was really, really difficult in those uh, four events. But um, so yeah. Literally, <laughs> yeah. It's incredible to qualify. So just, we have this, you had to run the 400, the 800, the 1600 and the two mile basically consecutively, essentially, essentially yes. you had to walk. Off. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You had to walk off of one race and go right to the next race, essentially. Yeah. And then in the state, like you said, you make that like, Oh, the state's not the big deal, but it was still one day. Yeah. It still was one day. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I think now they've changed it to maybe like the two miles the day before or something yeah. or, you know, where it would have helped a little bit, but no, I had to do um, all four, you know, on those that same day. So yeah, it, it was, a, I, I, it was a love hate. I, I loved the minute that meet was over, you know, but uh, yeah, it, but honestly looking back, that was one of my most special memories was my senior year and I'm running my last race at 800. And, you know, it's, it's such an amazing scene. I know people don't know, but it's like, it was one of the biggest track meets in the country and there was 10,000 people, you know, sold out and, you know, all of them in my last race stood up and, and clapped and cheered me on. And and that was one of the most memorable moments looking back from my high school career. It was incredible. It was a big standing ovation for you. I mean, nobody had ever seen anything like it really. You, you, (laughs) even though you did lose the 400 that year. Uh, yeah, I did. You were yeah. four times state champion the year before, and then three times state champion on the same day uh, in your senior year. But you did not. I mean, you probably could have followed track pretty far if you had wanted. If that was if basketball was not your thing. Yeah, you know, honestly, that might have been probably maybe my better sport. Just since uh, my playing days, I've got into competing half marathons, and at one point, um, I tried to qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon, and I was going to do it through the half marathon standard. Cause I, I didn't think my body, cause I've had like now 19 surgeries um, would be able to, you know, run a marathon. So I wanted to run my first marathon at the Olympic trials, but, um, but yeah, like basketball was my love, but my, my build is you would never, no one's ever said you must be a, a professional basketball player to me, right. ever, you know, but maybe I've gotten, are you a pro tennis or do you, you know, did you run college track? But yeah, um, but track, you know, just wasn't my love, but I'm so glad I did the four sports in high school um, because now I still play tennis and that's a lifelong sport for me, but I just had great experiences with those other sports as well. Yes. Yeah, so of course, we're supposed to play tennis. We're, we're going to get out. Yes, we still have to. And I, now my new obsession is pickleball. So I, I hope you played, but I love it. I, I play it every day almost. So yeah, I, I don't do anything halfway. So get this. I started playing pickleball and I just moved to a new house in Springfield and I had uh, almost a half court. So I'm like, how much cement do I have to add on to have a pickleball court? So i now have a pickleball court in my backyard and a uh, basketball court, but. (laughs) (laughs) I could not imagine anything more than Jackie's house building a pickleball court out because you like it. But that has always been your story and, and probably I mean, I, I think there probably have been times where you've not wanted it to be quite so extreme. You are, you are 
in in the best of ways an obsessive person in that way right like you you don't do anything halfway you, you i mean you weren't going to be hey i just want to play basketball and and you know you were going to be the best you really truly went in wanting to be the very best basketball player uh in the entire country that was absolutely your focus that's a mindset isn't it yeah uh you know, I need a shirt that says need moderation, like in, in everything I do. I'm serious. Like, but then I came up with a new saying. I said moderation um, is the key to unfulfillment. <laughs> but I'm kidding. But I mean, it just it, it is. It's like it's how I'm wired. I just cannot do anything halfway or just, you know, but I, I have learned that sometimes 80%, if it's not going to be perfect, is still better than not doing it. You know, sometimes I have that kind of perfectionism um, type thing, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's everything. Like even, you know, when I was uh, doing a leisure hike um, at Pikes Peak and somebody passed me and I start running up the mountain and I never had done a serious hike in my life, you know, and then, um, oh, like I started gravel racing. This was just uh, when I was coaching at Oklahoma and I had not even run, rode probably 25 miles on gravel. And I signed up for what is considered the Olympics of uh, gravel racing. It's the dirty Kansas. It's 200 miles. You start at 6 a.m. It's a dream goal if you can finish by midnight. And I, I somehow think, okay, I'm just going to enter in that. I sometimes hate that about me, but, but it is my personality. I've just had to learn to, to deal with it. So yeah, it's, it's been that way. It's been that way for everything, right? I mean, it was, a, it was that way for racing for cycling, for running, for everything else that you've done. But when you come out of college, so, so, you know, you go to college and, and in so many ways, college was such a dream experience for you. You, you, you made so many friends, you played on these great teams, you, you set records and you were an All-American and, and you played in a very loving environment. I, I think I'm glad you brought up, I mean, the throughout your career, but particularly your senior year, the, the atmosphere for, for basketball games was, it was otherworldly. I mean, there was, it was, there was nothing, I mean, it was, it was as good a basketball atmosphere as any place in the country men or women, just the, just the place is packed and it's, and it's not just packed, but it's packed with a completely different kind of crowd than you might see. I mean, it's, it's, it's packed with, with adults, it's packed with kids, so many, so many young girls who, who, who looked up to you and that whole team. I mean, it was such an incredible atmosphere. So that whole experience, you're like your entire time at, in college had, you probably look back at that as sort of a dream time in your life oh yeah so especially I, I told people for the longest time that you know my what I experienced in college and in athletics you know might have ruined the rest of my life because really what compares to that I mean it was just an amazing experience and even starting back into high school and looking back at some of the the pictures um I'll never forget my senior year that um, we're playing for the regional championship and we hosted at our high school and it only seats however many, you know, a thousand, 2000 people. I can't remember exactly what our gym holds, but um, there was a line. So we're going to shoot around and there is a line all the way out to our tennis court, which is like a quarter mile long plus and wait for people camping out to get in to our regional final and in, in, in high school. And then I'll never forget, we walk in to change into our clothes before the game and the gym is just packed and it just erupts. And I mean, and then I go on to college and same sold out kind of environment. And, you know, and I'll never forget too, in high school, we were playing in the substate 
and they had to actually, you know, how like you go to Disney World and, you know, they um, kind of station the line off, they zigzag the line off. Yeah. Well, they had to do that um, because of like people wanting autographs and pictures. And it was just an amazing support system from, you know, not only starting in Kansas, but then also in Missouri. And like I said, that drove me to want to be better. And, and my teammates as well, because we were to be supported like that and appreciated like that for your craft. I mean, so, so we wanted to give, you know, the community as much enjoyment as we could. No, it was, it was really a truly incredible time. And then you go into the WNBA and you are rookie of the year but right away, it's not the same, right? It's professional basketball. It's a different atmosphere. And then your body starts breaking down. And so, so really, I mean, that was very, very you, those were very, very tough years after, after college, right? Oh, very tough. Cause you know, it just, you go from such a high to, you know, playing in a final four, getting drafted fourth in the WNBA, talk about a dream come true to get paid to play basketball. And then all of a sudden, like, basically it's like I fall off the face of the earth and, you know, it's surgery after surgery after surgery. And, you know, I have zero regret um, as far as, you know, what the time I put in. And, and that's how I live. You know, I, I go all in and, and that's allowed me to have some amazing highs, but then I've had some extreme lows, but that's just, how I, I know to live. Like, I can't just be a flat line, you know, I, I gotta go for it, you know, and th that's what lights me up. But um, I would, I tell people I'd still be playing today if I had the knowledge I have now on how to take care of my body. But it was just different back then, you know, things have changed, you know, how, how you recover after surgeries, different things, because bottom line to accomplish something great and being as small as I am, five, eight, I had to overtrain. There's no way I could have reached that level without overtraining, but I now know how to take care of my body properly to, to be able to handle that impact and what I put my body through. But I just didn't know back then how to do that. No. And none of us, I mean, you know, you, you were obviously so much younger too. I mean, it's just not only have things changed, but you've changed. I mean, that's sort of the way that is. One thing that you would definitely have to say about your pro career though, is you didn't give up like you like there were so many times along the way when you could have quit and you didn't you just kind of kept going until essentially you were retired it wasn't it wasn't you did not quit the game basically was taken from you at that point yes i'm basically my body just said no no more i i'm not <laughs> going to allow you to do this even though my mind wanted to do it my body was like revolting and you know but then that allows me to walk away from it and say you know, I gave it everything I had. I have no regrets. And that's what I always tell people. It's like, you can never truly fail if you give it all you had. I mean, that that is not failure if you do not reach your ultimate goal, because, you know, by striving for something like that, what the gifts it gives you along the way from the people I've met, like I'm sitting here with you on a podcast and, you know, traveling all over the country. I mean, it will reward you beyond your wildest dreams, even if you didn't get your one outcome of a goal, but by, by chasing it, you, you grow so much. No question. So what happens after you, you do, you do get in coaching, sort of catch us up on, on, well, what are you doing now? And, and, and how have you gotten to where you are now? Yeah. So I eventually, you know, everybody said, why aren't you coaching? And so I, I found my way into college coaching. My first year was at LMU in uh, Los Angeles, California, and then um, ended up going to my alma mater for six years where um, 
you know, we make a sweet 16 and then kind of our success was my demise. You know, Kelly goes on to Tennessee, you know, as an assistant, you lose your job then. And fortunately I got inducted in 2016 to the women's basketball hall of fame with coach Sherry Cole. I think she, she, we were, she was my, actually, she, I was her very first home visit when she first took the Oklahoma job and my mom wanted me to choose her in Oklahoma. And so I got to um, redeem myself with my mom because then when coach Cole hired me, um, you know, my last stint in, in coaching, um, you know, it was a great experience. I just spent two years at Oklahoma and um, the lessons I learned on leadership from her, she's just phenomenal. Well, something that will carry on into my next venture. And that is, I decided college coaching, I've had enough. I had 10 years of it. And what was hard about it is for my why was, you know, just impacting players in the relationship and things have changed as far as the one-time transfer rule, um, name, image, likeness. And, and then honestly, I, I had sold three homes in two years and I like to build community and have relationships. And it was just so hard to continue to move all the time. So I, I just felt like, you know, fitness has been the one thing that has always been a constant in my life to the point where when I had a, I had treatment for a rare cancer, I brought my bike into the treatment room and I was bound and determined to work out through that. And so for me to come back to Springfield, uh, a community that I want to give back to, and then something I'm so passionate about, which is fitness, I'm doing a next gen fitness and it's a basically a private personal training studio. And then I also do basketball camps um, and some small group lessons as well. And I have a new website at JackieStyles.com um, so you can reach me there for any of my services, but it's really just been a good fit. And it's been one of the easiest moves I've ever had. So it was almost like it was meant to be that this is where um, God called me to be. You know, it's just the way everything has fallen into place. It's so great. It's so great. Well, I mean, you feel, I'm sure there are a couple of things. One, you're, you're home again, right? I mean, I would imagine yeah. that it, Springfield feels so much like home and two, you talk a little bit about training and you're and you're working with people on on uh, on training because that is something that you have I wouldn't say tinkered with you've done this but for years and years where you've worked with people and it sounds to me like it is it is coaching I mean in, in so many ways right yeah I mean really um running a business is building a team you know of people and not, you know, same thing as coaching, you're, you're building a team and you're putting those parts together and you're motivating and you're, you're inspiring and you're pouring into, you know, your staff or your clients, because bottom line, um, we're all leaders of something. And so to, you know, be able to lead people, um, you know, the right way um, in a, in a positive way and to have them take ownership of it, you know, it's just, you, you can really impact a lot more people than you realize if, you know, you're, you're, impacting that manager and that manager is impacting the trainer and the trainer is impacting the client, you know, it's just a, it's a natural fit. And uh, fitness has been, I've just, my, my teammates way back, they always saw me as I would be like some fitness guru. And finally it's like, I've kind of found my way to that. Cause I I'm like, you know, what I'm so passionate about honestly is competing. Well, my body can't do that anymore, but I'm really in a way of, 
I get to work out for a living, you know, I, I get to hang out in a gym like I would want to anyway, all the time, you know, so now I can inspire others through, through my love of fitness. And, and I've just seen how it's helped me recover from, you know, my cancer diagnosis and my treatment. Like I just went to the doctor the other day, I'm losing some vision, but I'm like, why am I seeing this black haze in my left eye? And then when I look at it with both eyes, I don't see that my doctor's like, it's, I chalk it up to your cardiovascular fitness and your brain has rerouted it. Like you don't see that black haze, but most people would. And, and your vessels have rerouted themselves and it's just because of your level of fitness. And so right then and there, if that's not, you know, a, a, a poster for um, why fitness is so important and it's just how it makes me feel like it's not just about weight loss. It's about, it helps me emotionally. It helps me energy wise. I mean, I like, I have a th- saying on my desk, it's you're only one workout away from a good mood. Like it, that's so true. Like it, it's just, it's like eating and breathing for me. So, so I'm excited to have this platform to impact people with it. It's so great. It's so great. And we should say as far as the cancer goes, that is that has been going well. Yes. Yes. So far. Um, so I get um, scanned every six months, um, full body because my cancer has a 50 percent rate of metastasis. And so um, obviously I'm checked, you know, every six months. And then I right now I'm going through a time where I'm, I am losing some vision because they had to rate, radiate my optic nerve. But um, my doctor's trying to preserve, preserve as much as he can. Um, but at least I have one good eye. And the fact that I can see anything out of this eye is remarkable. So I, I know I'm very fortunate and blessed, um, you know, in, in the situation I'm in right now. It's funny that you say that, that you really, your body won't let you compete, but I imagine that you still compete. I don't, I don't, I would imagine whatever, whatever the situation might be, you're, I don't, I mean, like, you don't rest. You like, how do you relax? Do you relax? <laughs> well, you know, like, relaxing to me is actually like, okay, so now I, I love pickleball. So, you know, we'll, we'll get together, we'll play pickleball, and then we'll go to dinner, you know, afterwards. But, um, or actually the other day, I, I just got recently gotten exposed to a uh, pitch. And I'm like, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't do any of this stuff growing up. I didn't play cards. I didn't play board games. I did one thing and I'm like, okay, great. I perfected a skill that no longer serves me. But um, so now I'm getting exposed to all these different things. And, and so uh, I, I, I was playing pitch and the only way we could win was to shoot the moon. And I don't even know exactly what all, all my cards are called. Like what it, it's, you know, is it a heart, a spade, you right. know, I'm like, so, but I literally shoot the moon and get it and win. And so like, it just something like ignites. And then I was on the radio show the other day and playing Jeopardy and I'm start off awful, but then come crunch time, something just triggers me and I somehow pull out the answers, but yes, I love to compete. And um, I always like to talk trash to my good friends. I never do it on the court, but, but I like to have fun with them for sure. So. No, that's good. That's good. I just don't you like the idea, like for the rest of us of just sitting around like I I remember asking you once you were watching there was a show I can't even remember which show it was that you were binge watching but even that you would turn into like a competition like you were gonna like I'm gonna binge it like in in a week I'm gonna get the whole thing (laughs) like like, I don't see you ever like sitting around and just like lounging and just doing nothing (laughs) well it's funny because um everybody now that calls me like you know I don't do it usually with 
people that don't know me, but uh, they'll call me in there. I'm, I'm like, Hey, sorry, I'm on my bike trainer. This is my, you know, my office, or I'm, I make a bunch of calls on the Stairmaster, you know? So instead of, you know, being at a desk, usually I'm, you know, on some sort of cardio equipment and they just get used to talking to me that way. But uh, yeah, it, you know, I, I like to, you know, go hard all day long and then evening, you know, maybe um, have a nice dinner and watch a show. But honestly, even then it's hard for me to get through a movie unless I'm on cardio equipment, you know, it's hard for me just to sit there and watch a show. So no, that's, that's, that's so, so perfectly you, this is, uh, this is so great. Now this is wonderful. So the, the documentary now, obviously if you're in the Springfield area it is going to be playing on March 1st, where is it going to be playing in Springfield? It's at the Goy's theater. So there's a three 30 showing, and then a 7.30 showing. And then there's also a kind of a VIP social that you can also attend. And that starts at 5.30. But um, after each showing, several of the people that were in the film will be on stage and, and be interviewed. And so it'll be interactive as well. So so I'm just excited to, to share it with the people of Springfield and, and in the surrounding areas. It'll be so great. And that'll be a, that'll be a full day on March 1st. And then I would imagine uh, soon it'll be available for people to watch and stream and uh, which will, which will be great. But Jackie, this is the greatest. You're the greatest. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Well, Hey, thank you so much for having me on and best of luck with all you got going on. And I know you got a lot of books and podcasts, but Hey, keep doing the great work. You're doing an amazing job. Thanks Jackie.